What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. I'm Sean Bass of 1310 and 96.7 FM. The Ticket. He is Barry Horn of the Morning News. This is the Ballsy Podcast, and we are going to talk some Texas Rangers as we are one week away from opening day as the Rangers, who are defending two straight division titles, take on the pennant-winning Cleveland Indians Monday night, the rare opening day night game out at the ballpark. And right now on our phone line, it is Evan Grant, the Morning News beat writer of the Rangers, live from Surprise, Arizona. Evan, it's good to talk to you this morning, and... I'm guessing you're itching to get out of the desert and back to uh, back to the Metroplex. My God, I'm speechless. That is the best intro we've ever yeah. had. Well, let me, let me pull the curtain back here a little bit. <laughs> what well, we were chit-chatting before the start, what did Sean ask you, and what did you respond? Sean asked, asked you. Me, she asked me what I was wearing, and I said a blue polo shirt. No, I have a tape. I think you said a pink nighty, a pink teddy. Yes. Uh, I'll show you the pictures later, Barry. Don't worry. I am very much itching to get out of the desert, and I mean that literally because my allergies are (laughs) killing me. So we have, what, uh, less than a week before they break camp. They come home for a few exhibitions at the end of the week against the Royals, then you start up Monday against the Indians. And I guess let's start with uh, the thing that we're, I guess, most concerned about heading into the campaign is the state of the rotation. Over the weekend, Jeff Bannister says that you Darvish is going to be handed the ball on opening day. It's the ninth different starter the Rangers have had on opening day in the last nine years. And obviously, he's now two years removed from Tommy John. He's got the best stuff in the rotation. Uh, was it at all surprising to see him uh, giving the ball over Cole Hamels game one? No, I, I think that there's a number of reasons why you could look at it this way. Uh, one... He did finish the season stronger than Cole did last year. Two, I think he's had, if if you want to go down the road of of competition, I think Darvish has had a a stronger camp. Cole's always a slow starter in camp. But I think also there's some ancillary uh, ideas here. One is, if this club is truly interested in signing you, Darvish, to an extension, this is a big honor to to have the opening day start for the first time in his major league career, first time since 2011 when he was in Japan. So that's a nice little gesture, nice little tip of the cap. And, and I think the second part is also kind of an underlying message that now is the time that you Darvish has kind of a seamless transition into the lead guy in this rotation. Even over Cole Hamill's a guy who's got much more experience in the big leagues, has pitched in some bigger games than, than you have, but I think we are now seeing a transition of, of the one and two kind of switching places. 
So if Cole Hamels continues his walk rate that he has had last year, could we have a wobble on the horizon? Obviously, over 200 strikeouts, 200 innings pitched. You don't really worry about a veteran guy, but as he gets closer, you know, into his mid 30s, is there any writing on the wall about Cole Hamels possibly having a letdown year and with in this season where there's so much expectation with those two at the front of the rotation? Yeah, I think it's certainly fashionable to, to raise questions about is has Cole crested the top of his career and is he now kind of on on something of a downward incline and in those walks last year, I think he ranked third. He and Perez ranked in the top five in the American League in walks and. Uh, he did not have great command last year. Uh, I think he got into some bad habits in the last six weeks of the season and couldn't really break out of them. I, what I saw yesterday against the Dodgers seemed much more effective. Uh, and I think Cole, at this point in time, he now realizes as he's 33 and approaching 34, and that, that time that he spent with guys like Halliday and Cliffley and Jamie Moyer comes into, comes into play. He said something yesterday to me about when I asked about 200 innings, he said, you know, I think you can still do these things, but you have to stop thinking of yourself as Superman and invincible. You have to do things smarter. You have to be more efficient. Uh, and, and I think you're going to see him approach hitters that way this year with an idea of, look, I'm going to try and get quick, quicker contact. What about the back of the rotation at this point? I know that, you know, the obvious injury to – Tyson Ross having surgery with thoracic outlet. He's behind schedule. They pay $10 million for Andrew Kashner. He's not going to be ready for opening day. It feels like A.J. Griffin already has a spot locked down uh, as far as the top four heading into the season behind Martin Perez in, in the three spot. When will they go to a fifth starter, if at all, over the first few weeks of the season? I think that they will. Well, they'll have to go to a fifth starter by April 15th. That's the first time that they'd absolutely need one. And that's what, 11, 12 games in? Uh, yeah, I think it's the 12th game of the season. Um, or the Yeah, I think it's the 12th game of the season. Anyway, they will uh, – it's the 12th date of the season, not the 12th game. Mm. But they will they will go with a four-man rotation, it certainly sounds like, with A.J. Griffin as the number four guy. I think you'll see them carry what amounts to two long relievers over those first two weeks so that if Griffin gets into a bind, they've got somebody who can give them some innings. And then if they get another guy somewhere in that turn, they don't have to worry about trying to to max out guys in the bullpen. They've got another long relief option. Um, I still think that Andrew Kashner pitching on the 15th is a long shot. Uh, more likely for me, Nick Martinez comes up and makes that start. Mm. Uh, and then Kashner, either the 20th or 25th, uh, for when he, for his return, and Tyson Ross probably about 10 days after that. So I, I think by the middle, uh, I'm sorry, by the first, the second week of May, when the Rangers have four straight games against San Diego, I think it's very possible that you'll see Kashner and Ross face their, their former mm, teammates. Delicious. Evan, how optimistic should Ranger fans be going into the season? Uh, that's a, a good question. That's a rare, great question for Th- me, Aaron. Thank you, Evan. Um, Stand and go. Uh, this, this has been a it's been a disjointed camp because of the World Baseball Classic. Uh, the team had eight guys, eight eight significant start contributors gone for for about two weeks. In some cases, longer. Um, 
because the camp has been so long, pitching dates have been stretched out, and, and you don't have a great feel. But there are two things to me that, that have been a little bit concerning. One is there was a high priority placed on defense this spring, and I have not seen great defense uh, anywhere around the diamond. I do think, and we can get into Lino to Shields' talk a little bit later on, I do think Delino has made some improvements as a defensive player. He's certainly made some, some real adjustments offensively. But haven't seen great play in the middle of the diamond. Um, just haven't seen the kind of sharp defense that you would hope to see with such a high priority. The second part of it is, is to this point, the Rangers have not had their expected opening day lineup, regardless of who their left fielder is. They've not had their, their opening day lineup on the field together in spring training. And that might be a minor thing with, with as many veterans as they have. But still, you'd like to see everybody on the field working together for a few days before you get into the regular season. Adrian Beltre has a sore right calf today. He's not going to play as, as we speak here Monday. Um, I don't think he'll play in a major league game tomorrow or Wednesday. I think he'll take some at-bats in minor league games. Uh, Carlos Gomez is still nursing a, a sore shoulder, and he won't play before Wednesday at the earliest. Hmm. And, and so you're going to go through the entire time in Arizona without getting your full team on the field together. That bothers me a little bit. Talking to Evan Grant from the Morning News, the beat writer of the Rangers, live from Surprise. He's Barry Horn. I'm Sean Bass of The Ticket. Ballsy's Rangers podcast. Before we get to some of the contract stuff with Rugi and uh, the future of Jonathan LaCroix, I do want to stick on the pitching side. We talked about the rotation. Let's go to the bullpen. And you mentioned the idea of carrying maybe a few long men. Uh, right now in camp, you've got Dylan G, who can opt out if he doesn't make the big league club. You have Mike Hoschild, who's a Rule 5 guy, which let, let's stay with him for a second, Evan. Why why did he fall out of the rotation fight? Because I kind of feel like he has better stuff than a, a Chi-Chi Gonzalez who's now hurt and a Nick Martinez and, and a Dylan G who's just, you know, God bless him, a replacement level back into the rotation pitcher. I think the Rangers feel like Hoschild just – this twice Jeff Bannister has mentioned that when Hoschild has come in and pitched in relief, he, he just feels like he's attacked the strike zone a little bit better, that, that he just seems to be – at least wired right now, uh, a little bit better to be a reliever. Hmm. And he'd be, I think, their first option as the long reliever right now. I think he's got a spot on the rota- on the, on the roster locked up. Uh, they're going to keep this Rule 5 guy. They like what they've seen. I do think they aren't ruling him out as a starter in the future. But I think for the beginning of the season, they view him as a, as a very capable uh, long man option. And it's a way to get him into some situations that might not be real high leverage real early on in his major league career. So they'd have one other long man option, one other long man spot available. And there's no way my cousin Anthony Bass fits that that spot. Well, n- not to start the year. Today he had an opt-out in his, in his contract. Uh, the Rangers informed him he wouldn't make the big league club. Okay. Uh, but the words that Anthony uh, gave to the club were that for now, he'll stay with the Rangers. He'll survey his options and see if there is a minor league, de- uh, a major league deal available. And if there isn't one, it's very likely he would go to Round Rock. And I do think at some point in time, we would be able to have a Bass family reunion. <laughs> it would be nice to see him show up at the family reunion for once, you know. 
I know he's busy. You got to stop having them over the summer. Yeah, you know, if you really wanted them to come, you could it's have the only them in way February. we can have a good barbecue is during the summertime. But, but Evan, we just know this, and I love to get this pun in there because factually, it actually also works. You know, he gave up a home run to Mike Trout earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. Mike Trout and versus Anthony Bass is the Bass Trout matchup doesn't work very well. He's I, now I zero and two. He's given up two home runs. Them. Yeah. 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 You mentioned Delano DeShields, and it has been a pleasure to watch him offensively maybe turn back the clock to 2015 and maybe even be better. And it's not just what he's doing as far as seeing pitches. He's always been able to do that, but he's going the way pretty nicely. And when he's getting on base, I think he's a perfect, what, 11 of 11 with steals this spring, which, you know, I know Jeff Bannister likes using pinch runners late in games, and if he can pick up the ball better off the bat as a center fielder or even a left fielder, couldn't he have a spot on the rotation for the duration of the season? Well, I think he's. I think he goes into the season with a role. Uh, it's going to be left to be determined how that role plays out. But the Rangers are going to have what amounts to a three-headed monster in left field um, with Brewer, the Shields, and, and Profar. Uh, I think there's obvious uh, opportunity for Brewer to play against a lot of left-handed pitching. Obvious opportunity for for Profar against a lot of right-handed pitching. But then you get into the idea of, of potentially mac- matching some lineups up against when you do have left-handed pitching, do you want to go with an all-right-handed hitting lineup? And so then you might put Rua in right field and you might move the Shields into left. Obviously, the Shields would be the backup center field option. And there are going to be days when this club plays jerks and crow for all around the, the, the dirt on the infield. And, and I think that's going to be necessary to get the most out of Profar. So... Uh, it's going to be a delicate balancing act for Jeff Bannister to try and get all three of them legitimate playing time to to um, maximize their abilities. But the one thing about Delino to me that that isn't going to rust away on the bench is the fact that he's shown really great selectivity at the plate, and I don't think he's going to lose his strike zone discipline on the bench. The second part is he's not going to his his legs aren't going to tense up. He's he's fast. He's back to where he was in 2015 body-wise. I think, as you said, he's turned back the clock even farther because given the 2015 experience, given the 2016 learning lessons, I think he's a better base runner now than he was before. He, he knows when he wants to go. He, he understands how important it is to read pitchers. Uh, and I think he's, he's going to be really, really dangerous on the base pass. And it does give you a situation if you're – if you're late in the game and you get Rua on base, even though even though Ryan's a good base runner, do you want to try and steal a run with the Shields and then put him in as a as an outfield option? The issue that you run into is that Profar is probably the guy you'd like to run for on occasion uh, among those. But if you take Profar out of the game, then you're left without an infield backup if you get an injury. So either the Rangers will have to carry another infielder as their as their fourth bench guy, along with all those three guys, or they won't be able to run for pro park. Is that Drew Robinson? Because hands are hurt right now. Be. It could be. I, I you know, and, and we may be looking at just the first couple of weeks in that role. But I also think this team is going to be active, looking at both potential long guys and. Uh, Evan, are they coming? Guys. Evan, are they coming for you? Uh, apparently, me and my pink negligee have been spotted, <laughs> and um, the city of surprise 
it's, it's a cacophony of noises here, whether it's the fire trucks or the Air Force jets or whatever, but you would think that there's a lot going on here. There might be a golf cart on the loose. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think they're going to be active on the on either the waiver wire or with release guys to see if they can uh, if they can find that second uh, long guy and maybe a middle infielder who can play shortstop. Drew can't play. Drew, you could stick Drew at shortstop, but he's not really a shortstop. So I, I think they'd like to, if they go that route with that fourth bench guy, I think they'd probably like to have a guy who could play an adequate shortstop for, for maximum versatility. Evan, I just want to ask you now, because I asked such a great, I think you called it the, the, the seminal question of the spring when I asked the question about fan optimism. Op, fan optimism. Can you give me, on a scale of 1 to 10, how optimistic you are one being low, ten being very optimistic uh, for the Rangers going into the season. Yeah, I, you know, I, I would say that um, I'm probably right now at about a seven. I don't think. Uh, I think maybe at the beginning of spring, I would have said that my optimism about the year would be an eight or a nine. I think I've got to take it down a peg just because uh, it hasn't been a great spring training. But it's certainly not one worth panicking over. This is uh, this is a veteran club. When it's healthy, it's very balanced. The rotation should be really deep come come May. Um, and I just don't think that you take too much out of spring training and form your entire your, your entire opinion about a club. Evan, as far as expectations for fans, though, do you feel like the postseason failures against Toronto the last two years is what they fixate on? And then people like yourself and other talking heads around the country and scribes, they see not only the Rangers having those postseason failures and maybe some question marks in the rotation, but the division is getting better. I mean, Houston finally went and got a few veterans, which that room is sorely needed, and their rotation, if it holds together, could be a division winner. Then Seattle with DePoto and his slew of trades and getting a little bit more athletically on the edges. I mean, don't you feel like the West is sort of, sort of going to cannibalize itself a little bit this year, and that's why maybe everybody sees the the one-run victories, uh, the, re- the record, uh, mar- you know, one-run victory clip they had last year. It just isn't sustainable. Do you feel like that's where the national scribes are as far as uh, yeah. maybe picking Texas third like we've seen in some, uh, some publications? I, I think that it's it's fashionable to pick the Rangers third because they are a little bit older because they didn't make a lot of sexy moves in the offseason and the division has gotten better. Um, I think until, until proven otherwise, this club is still the favorite going in, but it's going to be a deeper division. And, and I do expect to see two wildcard teams out of here. I also expect to see a lower win total for the division winner than – than we saw last year. I, I think you're looking at 90, 91 wins for the division winner. Yeah. Um, but I think you're going to see a second-place team that's right behind them at, at 89 or 90. And here come the Air Force Jets. Um, I still just feel like with the, with the one-two combination the Rangers have at the top of that rotation, we haven't really talked about the strength of the bullpen, which I think is going to be a real asset this year. Uh, and the overall balance in the lineup, I think this club is still pretty well structured. It's just that they haven't made those sexy moves over the offseason to really uh, light the fires of the 
off-season prognostic. But, but their sexy moves, Evan, were made at the end of last season, right? Lucroy. Well, their sexiest move was Jonathan Lucroy and right. Jeremy Jeffers. Um, and, and the moves that they made this offseason were necessary, but not necessarily sexy. You know, Carlos Gomez gives them a solid one-year option in center field. Mike Napoli gives them a solid linchpin at first base. Jonathan Lucroy still has another year here. So uh, I, I, I think some uh, prognosticators might also see that this is all or nothing for the Rangers and tend to think, okay, that that ship has sailed a little bit. But I, I, I think this team is still well set up for 2017. Evan, how many at-bats would be too many at-bats for uh, Napoli? I think you'd like to keep Mike Napoli to 125, 130 games. And so I think you're looking at between 500 and 530 plate appearances, huh. somewhere around there. Okay. Because I, I was talking to um, the not-so-optimistic Jerry Fraley. I know that's a shock to you that Jerry was not <laughs> as optimistic as you. But but he, he thought Napoli needed to be held to about 400 at-bats. Uh, I'm just I'm just throwing this out there. And he also thinks that they have no shot to re-sign you, Darvish. I'm just bringing, I think, bringing that up. I think the chances to sign Darvish are, are fleeting at best at this point in time. Um, but I also think that the Rangers, you know, if he gets off to a good start, I think the Rangers are going to at least investigate. But the fact that they have not stepped out there and re-signed and, and made a real strong effort, uh, I think we're getting to the point where it's going to be too close to free agency and Darvish is looking at having too big a year for him to accept an artificial market. He's going to go out on the market and see what it's got to offer. And I knew I could get you to be pessimistic to say something. I, uh, listen, I don't, you know, I, I, I think it's just realistic at this point. The idea of re-signing a, an ace to, uh, to a long-term deal is always less than 50-50. Um, I just feel like in Darvish's case, I understand the Rangers' cautions. But I think he's also an outlier. I think this is a guy who, as he approaches his 30th birthday, he is, or he is 30, and as he approaches his, his next few years, you're still going to see you Darvish on the uptick. As, as far as Darvish goes, we know he's going to get about 30 a year. That could be a little too rich for the ownership. But as far as Jonathan LaCroix... <laughs> Especially if you don't re-up Darvish, you could have that money there potentially, but they've tabled those talks, as uh, you wrote in the morning news, uh, about you know any extension right now. That's probably going to drag into the regular season, which they don't like to really negotiate at that point. Why would he not test the waters just like you, Darvish? Because he's, you could argue, top three to five catcher in Major League Baseball, and you know these days catchers are pulling down around $15 million a year or more. I mean, why... Why, uh, why re-up now when you can make yourself a ton of money as you approach your mid-30s? Well, and I think that's his, his perspective. I think the Rangers' perspective would be, hey, we'd love to sign you to an extension, um, and I think they'd love it to be club-friendly and all that. But Jonathan Lucroy has already signed one club-friendly deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really gave away an awful lot of money to get that security with Milwaukee. And this 
time around, I think he's got to go out, and whether it's a three-year deal at $15 million or whatever, I think he's got to go out and maximize his value, and I think the Rangers realize that. It's, just, it's not a situation where either guy doesn't like it here, uh, but I, I think that the Rangers realize that they've got some bad deals that they've still got to get out from under over the next couple of years, and I feel like Lucroy feels he's got to absolutely maximize out his value on his next contract. When, when will be, they be out of the tyranny of the salary cap? Oh, there, there is no salary cap, right? No. No, there is no salary uh, There's cap. a luxury tax now under the new okay. CBA okay. that gets really, but, but my, really my, harsh my, if you sign a couple of guys. Right, over but my, my point is, is this. How, how, do you, how do you explain that to fans? That you're letting you're letting your ace walk. You're letting a, a valuable cat, your valuable assets, Lucroy walk. Well, that's that would seem to be very difficult for a team who wants to move into a new publicly financed uh, stadium. It, it, it would seem to me that would be very hard on them. Pr wise, you just don't want to become the Phillies of a few years ago. I think. I, yeah, I think I think that's part of it. I, you, you don't want them to be bogged down by so many old and bad contracts that you can't compete. And and fans may be upset at the beginning of years if they don't go out and sign sexy players, but if they're contending, people are going to show up at the ballpark, and the Rangers feel like they can contend, can continue to contend. I think there's going to be at least a one-year period here uh, in the not-too-distant future where they're going to have to take a step back because I don't see the minor league pitching being ready to step up and really contribute at the major league level. And they're going to have a number of holes in that rotation next year. Uh, They've got three guys who are in the last year of their contract. Um, And and, and I just – they don't have prospects to really go out and trade for uh, top-level starting pitching. So – they're going to have. They're walking a very uh, delicate path, and, and at some point in time, the odds are that it catches up to them. But I think going into this year, they've done about all they could. The payroll is going to be 170 million, which is the highest in Rangers history. They'd like to get out from under that Chu contract, and certainly they need to get out from under the uh, Fielder deal at some point in time. But those are two things that I think are, are limiting them from from better using their money. We'd be we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Ruggie extension that came down over the weekend. Six years, nearly fifty million. There's an option for a seventh year. There's also talk of maybe uh, buying out Mazzara through his arbitration years. But when I look at Odor and hitting thirty three home runs and just seeing what his profile is as a as an offensive player and what it could be if he cleans things up defensively. You feel like eight point two five million per year is a really good price for a guy that's not even twenty three years old yet, and and on the other side, it's a great deal for him because he's going to become free when he's I think twenty nine years old and he can cash in once again. Exactly, and I think that's why this deal ends up getting why this deal ended up kind of getting uh, done is Odor's taking less money than Kevin Kiermeyer and Jason Kipnis both got hmm. uh, on, on their deals in similar situations, but. He's also younger. He'll be hitting free agency again at a at a still in his prime age, and uh, he's got a different reality. You know, as I wrote the other day, this is a kid from Venezuela. He's got a lot of people that that will count on him, and, and right now Venezuela's economic situation is absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. And 
in talking with Martin Perez, who took a really club friendly contract a couple of years ago, you take this first deal kind of for your family in that situation. And even if you're leaving some money on the table, you do what you need to do so that you can put your mind at ease and put your family's mind at ease and not worry that people that you love are going to have to suffer unnecessarily. Um, when the time comes, he will hit the home run contract. There is still some work he's got to do, and it, it, it does come down to making the routine play defensively, and he's got to be a little bit more selective at the plate. And, and it's a movable contract. I know people don't want to entertain the idea of blowing it up a year or two down the road, but you know, you get a few years down the road, the pitching never uh, comes through, you don't re-sign Darvish, they become an also-ran in the American League. Moving an $8 million contract for a second baseman that can hit in the middle of the order, that uh, that can be done quite easily. Absolutely, and you've got a you've got a potential second baseman down the road, and Anderson Tejada, who may be ready in two years. And if the Rangers are really struggling come 2019, uh, they might have a guy who's ready to step into the big leagues, and, and just like they did with Ian Kinsler when they traded an all-star caliber second baseman, they might be able to address other needs by by moving in a door at that point in time. Evan. There are no words for me to say I was here with two Ranger experts. Usually it's just you pontificating, but Sean was here to call your bluff on on several things, and uh, it's really good hearing from you. Will you be back in with us next Tuesday in studio? Is that a possibility? Uh, I will. I will. Will you you wear the pink teddy? Uh, No, Barry. Uh, Can I promote one thing? Absolutely. We're going to have a Ranger season preview Wednesday at 7 p.m. on KTCK AM and FM as we get you ready for the 2017 season. And, of course, you can hear postgame after uh, every home weeknight Ranger game on America's favorite radio station with myself and Ty Walker. So a shameless plug here at the end of our uh, no, that, that's, that's why, our ballsy that's, podcast. That's what, that's what we do here, and, it's of course, you call it – it should be the ticket. Just It should always be the ticket, and that should be enough – not the thirteen ten, not the ninety six seven. I like tricking it up sometimes. N- not, not, not anything else. The ticket. Evan, thanks so you much. You do a great job, Sean. I love you, Evan. And oh, uh, look, oh my God! Text me more pictures. Uh, I know you still have a few days out there. I will. I'll right. send you a few more. Excellent, Evan. Thank Evan. Thanks so much for being with us. Take it out, Sean. And that's Evan. Evan thanks Grant. for being with us. And that's Barry Horn, and I'm Sean Bass, and. Uh, Keep listening to the Ballsy Podcast series here. He ignored me. Online. He did He did that on purpose. Download it, like it, favorite it, do all that stuff. Sean, thanks for coming in and being with us. Hey, Barry. It's good to have a, a real pro here. Anytime I can come up and be your Nick Martinez, I'm more than happy. No, no, no. We need you to be our Cole Hamels, are you Darvish? Well, we'll talk contract then. Oh. In season. Well, it'll, it'll have to be a club-friendly contract. Well, of course. And, um, and we know the culture around where we work, right? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> they throw money. They throw money around like nothing. A cumulus compared oh, yeah. to what they do here. Oh, yeah. at, at the uh, B- falling at B- out of the ceiling. Let me tell you. All right. Thanks so much, and thanks to our stalwart producer, Doug. Doug, great job again. Yeah. We have we have those other podcasts going uh, this week. We had Chuck Carlton on the. Fu- what, what, what's the right word for the Big Twelve basketball? Demise. It's not demise. It's not fut- futility. Of postseason Big Twelve basketball, and 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 basketball in general in the state of Texas for those schools who are not in the Big Twelve, but A and M and SMU, it hasn't been a great postseason. 
And, and of course, David Moore was uh, living the lifestyle of the rich and famous. And out I in- rate David Moore. So if you haven't heard that, you must tune in. Yeah, he's, he's not happy. But you know what? He's never happy. We had to edit a lot of those swear words out. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya. Mm-hmm.